go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. All right, John, from the depths of defeat, the Denver Broncos, they were down 24 to 3. Second half, they were done, cooked, and they find a way because the, the Los Angeles Chargers are now in uh, officially in Atlanta Falcons territory with their with their ability to blow games. But good for the Broncos. They find a way to win this ballgame 31-30, and they're not dead yet. They're not dead in the water quite yet, John, are they? Yeah, no, they're not dead at all. And like you said, good for them. Like, the Chargers blow leads all the time. Like, this has become a habit for yep, them. They love it. But good for the Broncos having some gut and fighting back. Like, they didn't lie down and just say 21-point deficit midway through the third quarter throwing the towel like they kept fighting phil Lindsay's always gonna phil Lindsay had like i think six carries like he barely even touched the ball but he still every time he touched the ball he wants to crank it off for a huge run and that's what he did in the third quarter got a 55 yard touchdown run and then suddenly you go from a 21 point deficit to a 14 point deficit and then a touchdown another touchdown and eventually they come back and win and it was it was such a good uh comeback performance it was terrible leading up to that the offense was not good good at all right. but they pulled it out in the end and whether it's the chargers who blow leads or not you can only play who you're playing so the fact that they did it it's great and now they're going to play the falcons who have the second worst secondary in the nfl statistically so you think okay drew lock you just threw three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter you're coming off momentum now you're about to play a bad secondary keep it up like keep this going like you you turned it around now let's keep the momentum going absolutely and there's a lot to get to i want to get to drew lock i want to get to Philip Lindsay. I want to get to the trade deadline. The Broncos stand pat. The Broncos had a practice squad player test positive for COVID-19 and they're not practicing today. We'll get to that as well. But I got to start, John, with the most interesting thing to happen from the Denver Broncos and it was from their blue checkmark Twitter account. Why do the Broncos hate their fans, John? They're in the business of trolling their own fans. The blue checkmark Broncos Twitter, and I know you put this out there because this is how I saw it on Twitter. You retweeted this. Good morning to everyone except the doubters. You know who you are with a video of Drew Locke doing this little little shimmy after the game-winning touchdown pass to Hamler, and I'm telling you, I just said it before we started recording, Drew Locke looked like every white guy I've ever seen on a dance floor at a wedding. You know, he just, that was terrible. He, that's, that's, a, those are dance moves I never want to see again. Oh my god, Drew Locke. What, what the hell was that? But this tweet, I think this tweet was kind of designed to be cute, John, and it didn't go over too well with Broncos fans, did it? Broncos fans are a little offended by it, and I want to give Broncos fans some credit, actually, for calling out the team, like, yo, you were down 24-3, to you played like absolute garbage until that thing turned around and thankfully you're playing the Chargers who have no idea how to win football games right now so there's a little bit of a luck factor in this one when you're down by that much in the second half your, your win probability is probably next to nothing there's a luck factor here now good for the Broncos Drew Locke turned it on in that fourth quarter man he played a great fourth quarter the first three quarters though eh, not so great you're only three and four you're barely alive here in the AFC playoff hunt you're underdogs to a bad Falcons team here this week I mean let's not pretend like people shouldn't be doubting this team right I, I think Broncos fans who are annoyed by this tweet have every right in the world to be annoyed by it. What do you think, John? Yeah, I agree. I think fans are completely justified. I really like the replies to that tweet of the fans who are calling it out because yeah, it's fun to read. I think the tweet would have been so much better if they said good morning to everyone but the haters because haters don't like you. Haters don't want you to have success. Haters want to see you fail. Fans do like you. They want to see you be successful. They don't want you to fail. And a fan can have doubts when you've done nothing in the years since Peyton Manning when your offense has been
been terrible in the years since Peyton Manning over and over and over again. Last week, the offense was terrible for three quarters. The offense was terrible on Sunday, and you're down 24 to three midway through the third quarter. A very large majority of fans doubt you're going to win that game. So the next morning you say, good morning to everyone except a very large majority of Broncos fans. Like, that's what right. that tweet implies. And 100%. it's like, why are you calling out a majority of your fan base? Like, that's not a good way to endear yourself to the fan base. I really didn't like it at all. We're in the middle of a rough week here. It's the election and all that. Like, we're all dealing with this, right? So you, you should want to wish good morning to all your fans, not just the fans that didn't think you were going to lose on Sunday, which is everyone on the planet thought you were going to lose that game. Nobody thought the Broncos were going to win. Guys in Broncos uniforms were like, yeah, we're done. We're done. We're cooked. We're we're done, right? There's no way. Like, you're down 24 to 3 in the second half. So, yeah, uh, and, I have all the like, problems in the world with it. Yeah, go ahead. With fans specifically, like, you can be the biggest fan in the world and you can want the Broncos to have all the success in the world. You can be a season ticket holder for 20 years and go to every single game and still have doubts they're going to lose the game because they've not shown that you should have confidence in them. So, like, you pay tons of money for your season tickets. You go to every game. You're their biggest supporter ever and you doubt they're going to win the game and then bad morning to you like yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you don't want me to have a good morning because i thought you're gonna lose that game i'm sorry but oh, no and even of if it was directed it, because they include the drew lock gif i think they might have been implying like everyone who doubted drew lock but it still applies like right. lock hasn't shown us he still hasn't played a whole good game exactly. like it's awesome that he was great in the fourth quarter but he's not proven he can play a whole game yet and so when he goes two and a half quarters being awful yeah we're gonna doubt that he's gonna suddenly turn it on and flip a switch like we didn't see that coming nobody saw that coming no doubt no doubt and i actually wrote that down it's like drew lock before you start doing your shimmy and and you know before the team social media account starts uh sharing the shimmy and i'm actually dancing as i'm saying this right now and i'm doing the little drew lock shimmy oh man that was that was something man oh god i, I can't get that out of my memory it's just so brutal like, a, it was so bad but yeah you're I right i wrote love that it's like a personal preference of mine like i'd rather you take like the peyton manning approach and the barry sanders approach like act like you've been there before you're expected to score you expect to score so you don't freak out especially when you're two and four and you're losing the game but like while i don't prefer it i also understand that it's not like i don't think it's like a red flag or anything like that no like no Colin i agree. coward or some people say because everybody has their own personality like brett Favre, accomplished quarterback super bowl winner he would freak out and celebrate and go crazy so clearly it's not like you can only celebrate like this or like that or not celebrate or whatever like it's not one way different guys have different things that work for him so if it works for him more power to him but i get people that didn't love like you're on a bad team you have a losing record you're not even winning the game yet and you're dancing so i, I get why people didn't love it plus it was just a terrible dance in general it, it was a horrible dance it was a horrible dance and like you know what you do in that situation john you go get your teammate and you freak out with your teammate don't do a little yeah. shimmy by yourself off to the side so the cameras are on you and you're making it about you like you're like John Elway or some crap. So I, I got a I got a specific question about Drew Locke that I want to throw John's way. I also want to talk about Philip Lindsay and his comments about the fans booing. Them. For some reason, the Denver Broncos and their players hate their fans. This is weird. I've never seen anything like this. We'll we'll pick this up on the other side. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Welcome to week number nine. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for your fantasy football lineups. All four of these guys are a little bit on the risky side, but that's where we're at this time of the year. 
Quarterback Derek Carr, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. Carr is quietly on pace for his best fantasy football season to date, even after a lousy Week 8 game. The Raiders are getting healthier, and the quarterback position has averaged 25.8 fantasy points per game this year against the Bolts. Five quarterbacks have gone for at least 20 points, and three have gone for 24 or more in the last four contests alone. Jets running back LaMichael Pirine should see a pretty healthy workload against the New England Patriots. It probably won't be pretty in terms of yardage, but there's a hint of upside here as a flex play with a player who faces a defense that has given up seven rushing touchdowns on the year, and what's maybe even more alarming is five of them were over just the past two contests. There's hope here for a situational football break to go Pirine's way. Another rookie, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos at the Atlanta Falcons. He saw 10 targets last week, and he has averaged nearly 7 looks per game when Drew Locke has started all four contests. While the touchdowns haven't been there, this could change in Week 9. Atlanta has given up 5 touchdowns in 5 games and 8 on the entire season. The matchup is a little better suited for PPR volume, though, which is another reason why you should get him in your lineup. Finally, tight end Greg Olson of the Seattle Seahawks at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have given up 6 touchdowns to the position in 8 games, helping create four performances of at least 17.8 PPR points. Keep in mind this could be a risky situation, especially seeing as there's so many weapons for Seattle to spread the ball around. We saw last week Olsen can get lost in the shuffle in a hurry. He has an intriguing risk-reward decision with several prize fantasy tight ends either hurt or underperforming. For more fantasy football information, news, and advice, check out thehuddle.com. John, we were talking about Drew Locke, and uh, I have an issue. We're just coming off our fantasy football segment there from thehuddle.com. I had a fantasy issue this week where my quarterback is Joe Burrow. He's on a bye week. I actually had picked up Carson Wentz during the season after someone dropped him, and he's on a bye as well. So I had no quarterback for this week, and as much as I'm mad, I'm mad at Drew Locke for that shimmy. I didn't like the dance at all, but I picked him up, John. I picked him up. And what do you think? Was that a good move? Because I'm going to start him yeah. against the Atlanta Falcons, and maybe people when you're in daily desperate, leagues could too. Yeah. When you're desperate, have two quarterbacks on a bye like that why not take a flyer on him like yes there's no guarantee that he's gonna have he's gonna build on that but you sure would expect him to playing the second worst secondary in the league and he just threw three touchdown passes so you feel like he him dancing around that shows that he's confident like when he's confident he gets going and when he's down on himself like you can so see when he's down on himself in the Chiefs game he was down on himself from like the very first drive and just his whole demeanor is different and when he's confident in dancing whether dances are good or not and they're not. He just plays better. So with him playing better and good momentum, playing a bad Falcons defense, I think it's definitely worth a flyer. And like you, don't, there's not much else you can probably do. There's probably not a really better option available. All right, cool. So I'm I'm gonna go with Drew Locke. I also have Jerry Judy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna think about putting him in there too. Maybe go with the, the Broncos tandem. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I, that's that's where I'm at. But uh, you know, I want the cl- this I, is the week to do it. Yeah, against so. the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I, I gotta believe that they could actually do it for four quarters instead of just one so we'll see it we'll see it but philip Lindsay, interesting quote after the game uh the broncos weren't so pleased with their fans for booing them and Lindsay was very very honest in quotes that were shared on the broncos wire in a story that's posted that you can go look at it right now on the broncos wire actually part of what Lindsay said is uh about the fans is he says they just want to see points and i want to see points too the thing is you can't do nothing about it that's just what it is that's anywhere if you go anywhere they're going to do that that's what fans are for that's why they sit there they're critics that's why they're not playing the game a lot of times they're not good enough to play so they're just sitting there and booing yes philip Lindsay, i'm not good enough to play in the nfl you're absolutely right but if you know what if you're playing like hot garbage and i paid money to go to the game i'm gonna boo your ass and i'm sorry if you don't get that then that's that's ridiculous like i didn't like those comments what do you think yeah he even went on to say he said 
that part of the fans they boo because they're mad because they're not good enough to play. It's like no, what? that's not they're it not at all. Booing because they're not good enough to <laughs> no, play. Like, booing you that's suck. not the reason at all. Like the last two games, there have been heated locker room moments for the Broncos at halftime in the Chiefs game and this last game against the Chargers. Players yelling at each other, telling each other it's not acceptable. And after the games, both times the players have said that's good because it shows that the players care and they're not accepting the bad performance and they're telling each other, hey, we got to pick this up. This is not acceptable. If they would not be yelling and screaming and mad, it would show that they're getting complacent and they're okay with being mediocre and a terrible offense. So if it's okay for the players to voice their disapproval and say, hey, this is not good enough. Why can fans not do the same exact thing? Like me personally, I'm not a booer. Like I'm not going to go to a game and boo the team that I'm rooting for, but that's just my personality. Like in general, I try to be a positive person, but I also think fans have every right to boo because players, they show their displeasure and disapproval by yelling at each other. How can fans show their disapproval and say, this isn't good enough? They boo. And it sends a very clear message. And after the booing, you know what? The Broncos picked it up and they got a spark and they got going. Like, who knows? Maybe they were mad at the booing to an extent and that gave them a little bit more drive. I don't know. They may have their own self-motivation, but like clearly that ticked off the players. And in the second half of the game, the players were a lot better. So maybe it was a good thing. Like just like yelling in the locker room can be a good thing. It shows that you care. Like, would you rather have booing fans who care and aren't accepting that your performance is terrible or would you rather have no fans at all or would you rather have complacent fans who just accept being bad like i don't think they want to have complacent fans who accept being bad and Lindsay, he did mention like i think his point was you want positivity it's easier to play for positive fans than it is to play for negative fans and i get that but he should have just said that he should have said well i prefer fans to be positive because you you get pumped up by cheering and motivation and booing it gets you down i don't like that it's like okay that's fair that's legit but to say, yes, some of them are booing because they're not good enough to play. So they're mad that they're not good enough to play themselves. It's like, what in the world are you talking about? I thought that was such a silly remark. From me. And I love Philip Lindsay. He's a great guy and a great player. But that mo- remark was really silly and unnecessary. Yeah, it was a bad look. It was a bad look. Yeah. If you if you don't want to play for critical fans, go play in Jacksonville or something where football doesn't matter. You know, it, that bo- exactly. The Broncos are a, a proud franchise and the fans are proud. And I'd rather my fans booing than going on Twitter and saying vile things on Twitter or something crap like that. Fans yeah. should be allowed to boo. But I, I've said this a couple of times during the podcast, John, but I've never asked you directly. Why did the Broncos hate their fans? Like, why are they trolling their fans on Twitter? And why are they calling their fans out for booing them? Like, why do they hate their I don't, fans? I don't think they hate their oh, fans. They do, John. Just, honestly, <laughs> I think the players are kind of soft a little bit. Yeah, like, if you're yeah, getting that mad about booing, like, you're soft. Like Peyton Manning was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. In four years, he took the Broncos to two Super Bowls. Like that's insane. And you know what? Fans booed Peyton Manning because there was a point when the offense was bad and Peyton Manning was bad. He was a little injured, but still he was bad and fans booed him. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time was booed and he didn't get pouty and mad and say, you know what? Fans are booing because they're not good enough. for No, he's like, we're not good enough. This is not acceptable. We got to get better. And he was right. And fans were right like if fans can boo Peyton Manning they can boo a bad Broncos team that hasn't made the playoffs any of the years since Peyton Manning and an offense that has been absolutely terrible until midway through the third quarter on Sunday man we're 10 episodes deep into the Broncos wired pocket listen to John Heath he is fired up you're a different cat John I think I've rubbed off on you a little bit you're all fired up you're you're critical I love it my man oh god I, I I can't wait to listen to that back that was a great rant I appreciate you so much I could kiss you if you're right here with me 
not in the COVID era. Hopefully next year. Yeah, you're right. I'll blow you a kiss instead. All right, cool. There's so much more to get to. We'll do that on the other side. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 9 Sunday night football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs, they're 6-2 and two coming in. Five and a half point favorites, minus 110 odds. The Saints, 5-2, and two, plus 5.5 underdogs, minus 110 odds again. Big NFC South battle. Bucks come in in first place. Jeff, can they hold on against the New Orleans Saints? Everyone's down on Drew Brees right now, and it feels a little ageist to me. Old man Drew is seventh in the league in QBR, and he hasn't had his two best weapons on the field for most of the year. Speaking of which, he should be getting back wide receiver uh, Michael Thomas, who is the reigning offensive player of the year. And the Saints' defense is improving. They've even invested here at the trade deadline by acquiring former San Francisco 49ers linebacker Quan Alexander. Give me the Saints plus the points. I'm taking the Bucks. I like them to be talking about Michael Thomas coming back. Antonio Brown's debut for the Buccaneers. That Bucks defense looking great as well. Second in the NFL with 28 sacks. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcasts on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. Okay, John, before we get into this matchup with the Falcons, and it's an interesting game now. You know, the Broncos coming back and beating the Chargers there keeps them alive in this hunt, and this makes this game against the Falcons all the more important. But the Broncos did stand pat at the trade deadline, did not send any players away, did not send any players in, uh, or did not acquire any players, I should say. What do you think about that? Were you hoping the Broncos would address a specific need or a specific position at the deadline, or are you good with them standing pat? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I kind of expected it because not sending guys out shows that even though it's unlikely, they know they still have an outside chance to squeak into the playoffs and now apparently the NFL is considering adding even another wild card seed so if that happens that helps their chances even more and again it's unlikely but it shows that they're not giving up on the season and fans should like that like they're still giving themselves a shot and like even if they were giving up on the season if you trade Justin Simmons now that the next four years you're not going to have Justin Simmons assuming they were able to sign him to like a four-year deal so like just because this season is bad you don't sacrifice the next few years of Justin Simmons being with your team. So I like that they didn't get rid of somebody like a Justin Simmons and they didn't trade away somebody like a Shelby Harris because they're really good guys and they're really good contributors on defense and the defense has been good. As far as bringing guys in, I wasn't too surprised for in that aspect either because they're going to be they're going to want as much salary cap room as possible next year and they're going to roll over uh, like 10 to 12 million or even more than that this year and in next year's cap and next year's cap is going to be lower than usual because revenue is down this year because fans aren't going to games like they usually would because of COVID. So with revenue down and the salary cap down, they want to roll over as much from this year and the next year. And if they acquire somebody and take on their contract and eat up more salary cap space, they wouldn't be able to roll that into next year, obviously. So I wasn't really surprised that they didn't bring anybody in. And I'm kind of happy that they didn't send anybody out because it shows that they're still going for it. There is a little bit of COVID going through the front office too. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it too. You know, maybe at the deadline. That's a little scary. You know, John Elway's they're working positive. from yeah. They're working from home. Hopefully, LA and Ellis will be able to 
be cleared soon. And in the meantime, they're just not going to be at the facility. Yeah, those guys have tested positive for COVID. The Broncos also have a, uh, a practice squad player, which John tweeted just a little while ago. We're recording on Wednesday here. So check the Broncos wire to see the latest on that. The Broncos aren't practicing Wednesday. They're going to switch to virtual meetings instead. So hopefully that doesn't affect their preparations for the Falcons. Doesn't seem like it'd be too bad, right? They're planning to practice Thursday, right? right yeah, and Wednesday's practice was going to be a walkthrough, so it okay. would have been a light practice anyway. And I think they'll probably, well, actually, I don't know when they're traveling, but they might be able to do some kind of light practice on Saturday, whether in Atlanta or Denver before traveling. And if they're able to get back into the facility on Thursday, worst case scenario, they're able to have a full practice on Thursday and Friday. And when you're in the NFL, you really don't need to have more than two full practices to be able to get your like game prep down, running through things. So I think it'll be okay. So that fourth quarter comeback last week, it was so big. It was huge. The Broncos now... Instead of falling to two and five and being done, they're three and four with a chance to beat a gettable Falcons team here. This, the Falcons are two and six. This is not a great Falcons organization. This is, I mean, this franchise is one of the most embarrassing in the NFL. They're right up there with the Jets. I mean, the, the Falcons are just terrible. This is a chance for the Broncos to get to five hundred, John. This is a huge game. Yeah, just like you mentioned, it's a very winnable game. If you win the game, you're five hundred, and then the next few weeks you have some winnable games. The hardest game and the next couple of games after that is the Saints, and you're playing the Saints at home. And of course, there. They're not going to be favorites to beat the Saints, but with a good defense and with Drew Brees aging and with the Saints offense having a handful of struggles when they play decent defenses, you think playing them at home at high altitude, they'll even have a shot at the Saints. But even if they lose to the Saints and go three and one in their next four games, that might be unrealistic. But say they do, they're they're putting themselves in the hunt for the playoffs for the last stretch of the season. So they still got a shot and this is a winnable game. And like we alluded to earlier, the Falcons pass defense has been terrible. Terrible. Their secondary is just not good at all. So you feel like Drew Locke, he's got confidence now. He's playing well. Tim Patrick will hopefully be back from his injury this week. Jerry Judy, he's going to go off for you in fantasy football. Noah Fant's playing well as a tight end over the middle. Albert O is playing. He's coming up huge as a rookie tight end kind of out of nowhere. And KJ Hamler last week scored the game-winning touchdown. So you feel like he's going to feel good. They're going to want to get him involved. Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon are finally both healthy like literally last week was the first game this season they were both healthy for an entire game so you feel like they're going to be able to run drew Locke better be able to throw against his secondary and the defense has been playing pretty well so you like their chances they better be able to win this game and if they do they're setting themselves up to still be in the hunt it's huge can't be overstated and uh yeah my fantasy football situation is tough i gotta either decide between jerry judy or uh antonio brown that's a tough call it's a tough call because you don't know how well how much antonio brown's gonna get how much run that he's is so get. tough that's because tough his first his first game with the patriots last year he didn't play that much and wasn't involved but he got a touchdown right and, and it's brady, like is that gonna happen again brady likes him so much are yeah. they gonna get in the red zone he has three catches, but one of them's a touchdown. Yeah. And what if Jerry Judy Johnson scored a touchdown? So that's a tough call. Yeah, I don't know what but I'm But do. <laughs> just because it's his very first game with them, I feel like the percentages are Judy against a bad secondary is a better play. But now that I say that, he may not be. So <laughs> just go with what your gut is. I, I always no, I say go with your yeah. gut in fantasy. Antonio Brown's just a bad dude anyway. So I like Jerry Judy more as a person. Maybe that'll be the thing that uh, puts it over the top. But I don't there know. you go. There's something about John Heath that I enjoyed in this podcast. You, just, you brought an edge to the podcast today, John. Don't don't lose that. I like that. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear it. Hey, have a great week, my man. All right. You too. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store.
Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.